We're in this series on teach us to pray. And, and in the heaviness of that this past week, I, I want to thank you for, for your faithfulness in, in services and in being here today. We were able to take our staff to a conference this weekend and, and have, a, have a few services for us. And just, just worship and, and listen to the Word on our own for, for three days. We had, we had a service Tuesday night and a service Wednesday morning, Wednesday at lunch, and two more Wednesday night, another service Thursday morning, Thursday at lunch, and two more Thursday night. And then we talked about the services for three and a half hours on the way home. And here we are having another service this morning with you. And listen, I love having service, but I love even more being a servant. I love the prayers and I love the times together. I love the praying in the spirit and, and I love seeing people slain in the spirit. I love, I, and I, I've operated in that at times before and I didn't even know that, that God wanted to do that through me. But I knew the people that I was praying with and when they drew back and fell to the ground, I knew that they were being genuine. Um, because I trust her <laughs> and, and I, I just believe in God. But listen, more than I'm interested in people being slain in the spirit, I'm interested in them standing in society because I've seen enough people have an emotional experience that didn't affect their eternity, much less anybody else's that I came today and I want to ask the questions and I want to give a challenge of, of why we pray. Why do we pray? Why do we anoint with oil? Why do we talk to God? Why do we believe this thing? Why do we try to stay true to this word? And what do we do when what we pray is not answered the way that we wanted it to be? What do we do when what we prayed and believed in Jesus' name does not happen? See, because... The personal touch and the, the impact that we did have here at this church is through Michelle Brown's relationship with the Zombreger family. Byron and Miley and, and Gracie's grandmother and sister and brother and Gracie herself stood right here in this altar on a Tuesday night with our ladies intercession. And, and, and those ladies gathered and they listened. Those ladies, if you're one of those, man, you, you, you increase my faith. Like, if I'm sick, I'm coming here on Tuesday night. I'm just letting you know, like, if, when my baby, when there was something wrong with my Emory Grace, I brought her up here on Tuesday night because I can pray over, but I just pull as many people of faith in as possible. And we united in prayer. And listen, listen, I was believing. It wasn't because I had a lack of faith. And, and it wasn't because we didn't do something right. But sometimes even in the midst of what we pray and we believe and, and we, are ex we are asking God to perform and do a miracle, He just does something else. So what do we do? What do we do when what we pray does not happen? Turn in your Bibles to James chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. James 5. 13 through 16, verse 13 says, Are any of you suffering hardships 
And I'm reading from the New Living Translation, so if it doesn't line up with your Bible, just read it off the screen and, and study them out on your own later this afternoon. He says, are, are any of you suffering hardships? Like, are you going through something that seems bigger than you? Are you going through something that's too hard for you to handle on your own? James says, you should pray. Well, I've done that. Okay, do it again. Well, I've asked God to help. I know. Me too. Keep on praying. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. You should pray. When you're suffering hardships, listen, God wants to hear from you. But listen, are any of you happy? Is everything okay with you? Is everything going in the right direction for you right now? Everybody's healthy and, and, and you're living a, a solid, stable life in this season? Are you happy? You should sing praises. Don't wait until everything's wrong to start praying, to start talking to God. When everything's going well, you should sing praises. When everything's well, you should praise. When it's not so good, you should pray. And all the time, whether you're praising or whether you're praying, you should be spending time with God in joy or in sorrow, in sickness and in health. I know that's the marriage covenant. And that marriage covenant came from something that God wanted to have with his people. So whether you're suffering hardships or whether you're happy, hardship or happy, praise him and pray. Verse 14, are any of you sick? If you're sick, you should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you. Call, come forward. Watch this. Anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. Listen, you don't even have to call us. We call ourselves. We give you an opportunity every Sunday. We circle this sanctuary with elders and prayer members in this church. And, and, and there's nothing significant about this oil, I mean, some of it, honestly, it's just a little bit of olive oil mixed with another bottle of oil that I bought off Amazon because it said it came from Jerusalem. And it has a certain scent to it. And I don't even really like the way it smells. In fact, every Sunday morning when I come in, I put it on my hands and I walk these chairs before anybody, or as people are getting here for prayer in the morning, I just walk these chairs and I got a little bit of oil. And every time I put it on, I'm thinking, man, I just messed up my cologne putting this oil on smelly it doesn't smell good to me I don't even like it but it represents the Holy Spirit it's a representation it's a physical representation of the spiritual essence of the Holy Spirit of God so when I put this oil on my fingers it reminds me that it's not me that is anointing these chairs and the people that are going to be positioned in them it's the Holy Spirit it's not me that's asking for you to be filled whenever I walk by and say fill this seat Fill the soul. Fill this seat. Fill the soul. Why are things happening in this sanctuary? Why are people being drawn to this place? Why are you telling our stories for us? Because we are praying and believing for God to intervene in the affairs of men. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders. Come pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord Jesus. Watch this, verse 15. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick. It will heal the sick. Why doesn't it? Every time. I don't know. But I know that it does. 
And I could give you testimony after testimony after testimony. I'll give you one for me personally. When I was 19 years old, the doctor said I had to have surgery because one of my, one of the bottom, I don't even know what this little thing is called. Help me, sister. The little thing at the bottom of my spine, one of them was smaller than the other one. It's somewhere in my lumbar. I got a tiny one, okay? Apparently, it's a tiny one. I got a normal size one and then a tiny one. And I'd hurt my back really bad. And I was trying to play baseball in college, and that was my scholarship. And I was in trouble if I couldn't play. So I went to the church, and I went to Shreveport Community Church, and I walked up to Philip Dees, who was here uh, for our marriage conference this past year. And I stood over on this side of the sanctuary and I told him what was going on. And, and Philip Dees had oil on his hands or maybe he didn't. Maybe he just prayed. He laid hands on me and I'm telling you, it felt like somebody hit me with a hot iron in my back. And the doctor that told me I, could, I didn't need to lift and I needed to have surgery that I would never recover. I never went back to him again. I deadlifted 500 pounds, squatted 400 pounds, clean, power cleaned 320 pounds and pushed 330 30 pounds over my head and went back by the fifth year and made All-American and played for the Houston Astros when I graduated because God touched me in an altar and he healed my back. Well, why doesn't he do it every time that I pray for somebody for their back to be healed? I don't know. Why is my back hurt today? I don't know, but it does. But the Bible says, why do we anoint with oil? Why do we pray? Because that's what scripture tells us to do. And the prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. He won't just heal your physical body. He will make you well. He will make you well in your soul. He will help you in your emotional distress. He will help you in your anxiety. He won't just heal your body. He will heal your heart. He will make you well. Now watch, this is where it gets interesting. And if you committed any sins, you'll be forgiven. Like, and if you buy one right now, <laughs> I'll throw this in as well. You know, like James is standing in a blue shirt on a, a, a telemarketer screen and he was portraying this commercial on, on the, the whatever hotline t TV, whatever that thing is, on that channel that it never goes away. It's like, God, it's the blue guy again. It's like, get away from just trying to watch something. You'll, your sins will be forgiven too. And, and Jesus calls us to come and pray and to anoint with all. And then in verse 16, he says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now, that's interesting because we also know that the Bible says confess your sins to him because he is faithful and just to forgive. So if we're supposed to confess our sins to him, then why do we need to confess our sins one to another? What what is the essence and the purpose of confessing our sins one to another and praying one for another? Because the Bible says that if you confess your sins to him, then you're forgiven and the spirit of the Lord frees you. But when you confess your sins one to another, you're healed from them. You confess them. You shed light on them. So when the enemy begins to hang your past over your head, you remind him that you've already confessed that. Not just to Jesus, but to the people that it affected. And you can't bind me with that any longer. I'm no longer bound by that. I've confessed it. I confessed it to you, and you put it under the blood, and I confessed it to the people around me so that I don't just receive freedom, I stay free. So that I don't just receive forgiveness, 
this, I stay accountable and you can no longer tempt me with that and hang that carrot in front of me because it does not affect me the way that it used to because I understand the consequences if I take a bite of that thing of the people that is affected. So when I tell her and I'm up front with her and I confess to her, I don't go back to what Jesus has already set me free of because I stay in his will and I'm accountable to the people that it affects the most. I'm healed from it. I don't stay in it. I'm healed from it. And the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Now I pick this this translation on purpose because there is a translation that says the effective fervent prayer of the righteous avails much. So if you'll just do a little Bible study with me real quick, I promise not to hang in here long. Um, but I, I want to make sure that this, that every time this is preached the wrong way for the rest of your life, that you recognize it because I've preached this, this scripture the wrong way because the Bible says in one translation, the effective fervent prayer of the righteous avails much. Okay. So sometimes I have taken and I have heard it spoken that the reason God is not answering your prayer is because you're lacking in fervency. The reason God is not answering your prayer is because there's not enough passion behind it. There's not enough faith behind it. There's not enough fervency behind it. And if, if you would learn to pray with fervency, then the effective fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. And listen, I, I, that is not the original interpretation of this scripture. In fact, in the Greek, the word for effective and fervency is the same word that we get energy we received this word, energa, or energia, from the original strong interpretation word, 1724. You can write that down and go look it up later. 1724. It's the same word that we get the English word energy. So it reads this way. The energetic prayer. Not the person. Not the energetic person. But the energetic prayer. The the working prayer, the powerful prayer of the righteous, of the righteous. Now, I'm not righteous because I'm me. I'm righteous because he's him. And when I pray in his name, it's his righteousness that I'm clothed in. And the prayer that I pray in him has the ability to work. In fact, this is the best translation. It says, has great power, the earnest prayer, the energetic, the able, the working prayer of a righteous person, righteous being in Christ, has great power. Power to accomplish. Accomplish is the same word as the original. The earnest prayer and the accomplishing or the producing prayer is the same word in the Greek. So literally, it would read like this. The working, energetic prayer of the righteous person can, has power, the ability to produce, to work, to continue to work, and is able to produce wonderful results. So it's not even who's praying or exactly what's being prayed. It's that we pray that something is working and being accomplished because of who he is and what he is doing. 
The first thing I want you to learn this morning as we dive into this a little bit further, if you're taking notes, is that God is most concerned with our spirit. Why does God not answer the way that we want him to? Lord, teach us to pray. Why are we even taking our time to pray? Because God is, is most concerned with our spirit. I believe that we put a little too much, uh, a little too much essence and, and substance into this temporary tent. In fact, often, if we're not careful, we put way too much um, just substance in the temporary period. Man, my current, all we can see sometimes, and, and even all we can sense sometimes, is our current circumstance. And in fact, the way that we feel about it changes from the time that we wake up to the time that we eat lunch, and then the time that we go to bed. And sometimes it ebbs and flows. And, and if we, if we base our faith on how we feel, then we could wake up faithing one way. We could eat lunch faithing another way and go back to bed faithing another way. But I don't base my faith on how I feel. I base my faith on what he said and who he says I am. Okay? But we put too much substance in the temporary, in the now. We take our scene and we let it determine our story. And then we let our story turn into a saga. Hashtag soap opera. Okay? And God is saying, stop letting your scene, stop letting your scene determine your story. And stop letting your story turn into a soap opera. In fact, let's take your story and let's combine it with his and let him have his way. And then my story becomes his story. And my story that was is history. And when I put my faith in him, I become like this. I use this example this morning for, for the one that is made well in their soul and the one that is forgiven when prayed for. Jesus went to the house of a Pharisee. He was invited there to eat dinner with the Pharisee. And, and when he walked into the house, a woman who was, the Bible just calls a sinful woman. Okay, I know none of you know her, but uh, she was a sinful, she was a sinful woman, and 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 they would have referred to her as, as the a, a prostitute or a, a harlot. She was a sinful woman. She was a forsaken woman. She was not accepted by the religious people of the day. But she followed Jesus to this house, and the Bible says that when Jesus got to the house, she knelt down before Jesus and she began to cry and weep over his feet. And as she cried and wept over his feet, she realized what was happening and she took her hair, her dungy, matted up, harleted hair, and she began to, to wipe the feet of Jesus with her hair. And then she had with her an alabaster jar of anointing oil and she would anoint the feet of Jesus. And the Bible says she would kiss his feet repeatedly. And if you do a study on that word, it's actually a similar word to the same word when Elijah built an altar in the Old Testament. And the Bible says the fire of God came down and consumed the altar and licked up the water. She used her mouth to kiss the feet of Jesus as an act of worship before him, as an act of admiring and acknowledging his position in her life. And the Pharisee, the Bible says, the Pharisee thought 
in his head. And Jesus heard his thoughts. We know that he is the one that knows our thoughts before we even have them. So this Pharisee, in skepticism and in a religious bigoted attitude, was looking at this woman. And his thoughts were, if this man was a prophet, then he would know who that woman was and what she did. And he would not let her kiss his feet that way. He would not let her cry on him. And he would not let her touch his feet with her nappy head. Come on, somebody. Thank God for the nappy-headed days, okay? And so he knew. And Jesus, knowing the man's thoughts, and just imagine this. Just think, if you were in society and you were looking down on somebody because you thought you were better than them because of what you've been through and where you currently are. And this Pharisee, knowing or believing who he was in God, was looking at this woman. He was looking down on this woman. He was thinking that this man, if this man, the Messiah, really was who he said he was, then he would know who this woman is and he would not let her touch him the way that she is touching him. And Jesus, knowing the thoughts of the man, said, you invited me to dinner and yet you did not wash my feet whenever I came in. And yet she has washed my feet with her tears and she has dried my feet off with her hair. You invited me to dinner and yet you did not offer me oil to anoint my head with so that we could sit down together and I could not only be cleansed, but anointed to be different than I was. But she has cried and washed my feet with her tears. She has wiped those tears off with her hair, and she brought the oil of anointing to be poured out on my feet. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but I believe I'm talking to somebody. I want you to know that every tear that you've cried, every time that you've shed a tear, every time that you've shed emotion, that tear did not fall upon deaf ears. Jesus knew the thought before you even had it. He certainly saw the impact of your emotion. And every tear that you cried was recorded in the heaven and it began to wash and purify. Her tears were part of her purification. And she began to serve Jesus. And she learned how to worship. And then she anointed him with oil. Because you can't just remove what the devil was trying to put in you. You got to replace it with what God has for you. And though she had come from something in significant. He decided not to just purify her, but to anoint her as somebody new. And he looked at her and said, woman, your sins are forgiven you. Go, go. Your sins are forgiven you. Pharisee, I hope you learned a powerful lesson. When you pray, it's bigger than the temporary. It's bigger than what you think it is. And Jesus may not show up and show off the way that he did to that Pharisee that day. But I can promise you the most important thing in the room to Jesus is the soul of the person that does not understand who they are in him. God is most concerned with our spirit. He does not want us to put so much essence in this physical tent now, listen, I'm not saying you shouldn't take care of your body. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit that dwells within you. That's why you need to be careful what you put in it. Because what you put in it will determine what, you, what comes out of it. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm... We in Cajun country. Y'all know how it affects you. You put the wrong thing in, wrong thing comes out. That's just how it happens. Okay? Sometimes it don't come out the right way. You know, it's just it's not a good thing. But that doesn't affect what I believe about Jesus. It affects what I put in my body. What I believe about Jesus affects what I put in my body. That's how I believe that God is most concerned about my spirit. And so we lock our doors. That's okay. 
We lock our doors. We buy guns. Come on, somebody. We live in Louisiana. I'm excited. I love buying guns. I love even more buying bullets because I've never hit anybody with a gun and watched them run away. <laughs> I've never been like a duck flies by, I take the end of my shotgun. Just, I shoot at them. So I like, buying, I like buying bullets as much as I like buying guns. And, and I lock things up. And man, we take vitamins. I'm talking, y'all, we got vitamins. If you need vitamins, we got them. We got everything from Flintstones to fish oil and everything in between. I'm telling you, like you can chew them up, you can swallow them. It's totally up to you. Some, some of them are fruity. And if you don't like the one that doesn't taste too fruity, we'll mix some fruity ones with the not so fruity when you take them all together. And, and you can trick yourself into believing that they even taste good. It's good stuff. One day, Gabriel, my wife wasn't home. And uh, Gabriel, I had given him his Flintstones and I was taking some, some fish oil, and, and I buy the burpless because I don't want something to pop right here and taste fish oil. Like, I love fried fish. I don't really like the oil. So I, I buy the ones that get down in your gut, you know. And so, but I had one of them, and I took that, and I'd given him his Flintstones, and Gabriel's like, I want that one. And I was like, no, you don't, bro. You don't want this. I promise you don't want this. You're not going to like it. He's like, I do. I do want it. And I told you his mama wasn't there. So she wasn't there to protect him. So I was like, okay, dude, you think you want it? Here you go. I gave him the fish oil tablet. I'm talking about the tablet. Big old encased, burpless tablet. I said, here, take it. He put it in his mouth. He took that fish oil capsule. He popped it. I heard it pop inside of his mouth. I said, go spit it out. Next time I tell you you don't need something, trust me. Now you know. I told you you didn't want this vitamin. You shouldn't have taken it. I said, you want to fuss at me? I'm going to give it to you. We put so much. We put so much into the temporary gym memberships and insurance. We put so much into the temporary. Listen, that when the temporary doesn't work out the way that we think it's supposed to, we make the mistake of believing somehow that it is affecting the eternal. We put so much stake in what we want in the temporary that we have let that temporary desire affect what we believe about our heavenly Father. And God is more interested in the eternal. He's more interested in the Spirit. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10, don't be afraid of the one that can kill your body. Be afraid of the one that can send your body and your soul to hell. Be afraid of the one that can determine where you do or do not spend eternity. Whether you spend eternity with him or whether you spend eternity separated from him. Listen, if we limit, if we limit healing... And we have made this mistake for many years. Now listen, I believe this is one of our cardinal doctrines. We'll talk about it next week in Next Step. Step one, if you've never been through Next Step, sign up today. Come eat lunch with us next week. And step one, we will talk about this one cardinal doctrine that Jesus is our Savior and Jesus is our healer. And, and, the, and by His stripes, we are healed. I believe and divine healing still being available today. But listen, if we limit healing to our bodies, we have missed the miracle. We have missed the main miracle. The main point of what Jesus came to do was not 
to just heal our bodies. The real miracle of what Jesus came to do was to restore our relationship with him and his heavenly father and his Holy Spirit. The real miracle is not healing. That's a first move of God to to reveal who he is and what authority he has. The real miracle is not healing. The real miracle is restoration. This past week, I told you, we, we, we went Tuesday. Megan and I sent the staff ahead of us because we wanted to go over to the visitation for Gracie and her family. And, and as I walked in, I thank God that Michelle Brown came over to our house and, and met us up there and then walked in before us. And, and I was able to go in with her who has a, a better relationship with the family than I do. And, and she walked up to the front and, and Gracie's earthly vessel was there her body was there and I thank God that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord but but her daddy was still there in body and spirit and he was leaning over and I I can't imagine and I don't want to imagine I know that we have many people in this house that have walked through this season and Michelle Brown is one of those people and and so Michelle Brown began to to speak to things because she was walking she had walked through those things. And, and sometimes, I don't know, maybe this is for somebody this, today that what you're currently walking through is setting you up to be able to speak to it when you get to the other side. So don't you stop walking. Don't you stop fixing your eyes on Jesus as Blaine was saying earlier that we fix our eyes on Him because He's not just the author. He's the perfecter and finisher of our faith. And we fix our eyes on Him because He knows the way when we cannot figure it out. But Michelle was ministering to Byron and I I just walked up beside her and and thank God he remembered me. But let me tell you what I didn't walk up and and do. Okay, and and we gotta be really careful because I I know we we mean well, but here's what I didn't walk up and do. I didn't walk up and say, hey, how you doing? Because you, you just don't say that. I didn't walk up and go, man, she's in a better place. Because not to him, she's not. Because the best place that she could have been was back home that night. And all those things are, all those things are true. But, but I don't say that when I walk up to somebody that's hurting the way that, that I, I don't even want to understand. I'm inspired by. But, but I, have, I don't desire. Like I'm impressed with you, but I don't envy you. So I don't walk up and I say that. The only thing I walk up and say is what I said to him. I, I just, I put my, my arm, my hand on the back of his arm and he kind of looked up at me and, and I said, man, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You know, listen, you don't have to always have something to say. When you don't know what to say, just hug them, cry with them, hold them, hurt with them. Say you're sorry. Say, say I love you if you know him well enough. So I just said, man, I'm sorry. I, I'm so sorry. And he looked back up at me and, and then he looked over at Gracie's body and then he said, she's going to have to take care of me now. And so I said, man, she was going to have to do that anyways. <laughs> just like mine are going to have to do for me. And I said, Byron, I just want to tell you one thing. And I really just remembered it right now. But this morning, our student pastor went to Iota Middle School. 
And he was there with the students that were supposed to gather around the pole and pray for see you at the pole. And Pastor Weston went to see you at the pole. And that morning at Iota Middle School, there were 160 middle school students that came out to pray around the pole that day. The same day as Gracie's visitation. 160. And then Miss Yogi Satig saw one young man that had walked up to her and, and Pastor Weston was still standing there and, and Miss Yogi said, whatever the young man's name was, she said, hey, have you met Pastor Wes? Because that's what, it just seems like you're supposed to call him if you're Cajun. Pastor Wes. Like you just, you don't finish Pastor, you don't finish Weston, you just Pastor Wes. And so... And I think it's hilarious because he doesn't just love it. And so that's what everybody calls him. And nobody told him to do that. So. But that's what Miss... And I'm not... Listen, if you want to go correct Miss Yogi, you are welcome to. But I'm not doing it. That's not happening from me. So have you met Pastor West? And, and this young man, this little middle school student looked up at Pastor Weston. And, and he, just, he just began to cry and sob because he, he knew Gracie. And he was upset. And Pastor Weston was able... To pray with this guy, this young man, who will one day be a leader in a church, who will one day be a leader in this community. He was able to be ministered to by a pastor that he would have never met. Listen to me. When, you're, when your tears become part of your purification, you are sowing into things that will happen and you may never know about on this side of heaven. But one day you will see the eternal reward that he may have lost for a moment. But there will come a time when you realize how much more was gained in the moment of your loss than would have ever been if you had not had to go through what you went through to get to where you are. God is concerned for the eternal. In Luke chapter 10 verse 19, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Jesus had told his disciples to go into the city and, and preach the gospel to eat and heal everybody. To, to go in and, and preach and eat and heal everybody. And in verse 19, Jesus says, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. And over all the power, over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall hurt you. Now listen, we could have a Holy Ghost hoedown. If I had a Hammond organ over here on this corner and somebody that knew how to play it, I could, hey, I said, he, he, he has sent us out to, to, to preach. The, and we could have church for 35 minutes on this one scripture. But if you bring serpents and scorpions in here, I'm out, Jack. <laughs> telling you right now. I spider monkeyed up the side of a shower when I was in my, like before I was 10 years old, I opened the, the door and I saw a scorpion on the floor and I had seen a movie where these big black scorpions started stinging this kid and these big black scorpions killed this kid and I didn't know the difference between big black and poisonous and tiny brown and painful. So I just saw a scorpion and so I was up the side. I don't even know how I did this. It was like the matrix hit me and I like, I had some kind of like, I don't know, Lord of the Rings essence come over me. I was like, you know, and I got up to the top and I was holding on and I was screaming my head off because of the serpent or the scorpion that was outside of my shower. But Jesus told the disciples, you will, you will be given authority 
to tread on the enemy, to tread on the serpent, to tread on the scorpion. In fact, you will have authority over the power, all the power, all the power of the enemy. And nothing will hurt you. Verse verse 20, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. Do not rejoice, wait, that you, that the spirits are subject to you. That is not what you should be rejoicing in. And I did it in first service. I felt like God gave me a release to do this, so I'll do it again. And I just want to make sure that you know that I care enough about you to do something about it. But there is an individual in this community that's messing with my people. And live on Facebook, I am not afraid to say that if this individual does not leave my people alone, then I'm going to take a bottle of oil and I'm going to go find this person and I'm going to douse them with it and I'm going to cast that devil out of that person and this person is going to have to find something else to do for a living besides mess with my people and believe that she has a power or an authority that doesn't come from heaven. And I'm not, I'm not saying I'm going to go seek in a fight, but I'm telling you, I'm the shepherd of this house. And if you come to this church, then God has put you under my ability to shepherd. And I will take his staff and I will protect you with it. And I don't play that game. I may not take off and just hunt her down for no reason, but I'm telling you right now, I am not afraid. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, hear me on my own. I'm scared to death. I wake up in the middle of the night, feel like something's in my house not supposed to be on my own. In Chris, I'm scared to death. But in Christ, I know in whom I have put my trust. And at the name of Jesus, I can move a mountain. I can cast out a demon. I can tread on a serpent. I can heal the sick. I can preach the gospel. And I will rejoice, but I will not rejoice just in that. Even though I have that power in Jesus' name, not in Chris. But in Christ, even though I have that power, I won't rejoice in that. I will rejoice that my name is written in heaven. That's what I will rejoice in. I will rejoice not that my name is written in a medical journal because I have received healing and they can't figure it out. I will rejoice because my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And and though I may not be kept alive in this lifetime, I will be kept from death for all time because my King is on the throne. And I may go see Him, but I'm coming back with Him. And one day we will rule and we will reign right here in this life. But I've been given all authority between now and then as well. So I rejoice in my spiritual salvation. The second thing that I need to do, and this is where we're closing today. I need to grow. I need to grow. God is most concerned with my spirit, but God wants me to grow. God wants me to grow. James concludes his chapter in chapter 5. He concludes it. Just jump down to verse 20 with me. I know I'm messing you up. Miss Debbie's working with me back there. Verse 20 of James chapter 5. You can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. Of many sins. Because everybody that I lead back to Jesus is going to lead somebody else back to Jesus. And Jesus is into multi-level marketing. Come on, somebody. He is into the process flowing from the top, working its way down, and multiplying itself in a way that it would not have had he not just had one obedient and faithful. If Jesus seemed just fine, one obedient and faithful servant. See, many of us have asked for forgiveness, but we're still sick. 
And we have an epidemic in the church today of believers who, who, who have been set free and saved but are not well in their soul. There's an epidemic. We're still just as addicted. We're still just as disobedient. We're still just as bound. And there are some things that can happen. And one of those things that can happen is if we'll start look, stop looking to moments in an altar, which I'm for. I'm for the moments. And I thank God for the moments that I've had in the altar. I thank God for my baptism in his Holy Spirit. I thank God for my prayer language. I thank God for the day that I was saved. And then the other days that I was saved. And then all the days after that, that I was saved again because I just kept going back. But if I could just stop asking Jesus into my heart and stop start confessing him as Lord of my life, then I wouldn't have to keep going back to the same place to try to get the same thing over and over again. I wouldn't keep drinking milk and choking myself on meat. I could graduate to the next phase because I'm growing in him. I have the faith to believe God for the miracle and the temporary, but I have faith to know that whatever happens between now and then is part of the process. It's part of the process. And I look at the life of Paul. And this guy, Paul, the apostle Paul, he was on a boat and he was shipwrecked. Because people didn't listen to it. You ever gotten into a situation that wasn't your fault? And you told everybody. And nobody listened. And then it happened. And you stuck in the middle of it with them. You stuck in their mess because they didn't listen. If it hadn't happened to you, it's going to before you like I'm just getting all country today it's going it's going that's one word means it's going to okay if it hasn't but that's what happened to Paul and he didn't get on the shore and say I told y'all stupid (laughs) he didn't do that he got on the shore and he began to build a fire and then he builds a fire and a snake comes out and bites him on the hand and then he wakes they all thought he was going to die he wakes up the next morning and everybody wants him to pray for him Now, listen, if I were Paul, I'd be like, why don't you pray for me? Like, I was just shipwrecked because you didn't listen. You got me into something I didn't want to be in, and I'm not going where I'm supposed to go because you didn't listen. Would you pray for, I got a snake bite. Like, I didn't bite these two holes in my hand. Come pray for me. But Paul understood the process. So he took his hands and he laid it on the leader of that village and he healed everybody in that village and the whole village came to know Jesus because Paul was willing to walk through the process. Paul was willing to walk through the process. Luke chapter 11, verse 9. Jesus says, I tell you, I tell you, listen, not to just ask, but to keep on asking. And you will receive what you ask for. I'm not telling you to just seek God this morning. I'm telling you to keep on seeking. Because when you keep on seeking, you will find what you're looking for. I'm not telling you to just knock. I'm telling you to keep on knocking. And the door will be opened to you. When Jesus opens your eyes spiritually and you see bigger than your current situation God wants me to grow God wants me to grow God wants me to grow come on I want to close with this today but I want you to tell yourself God wants me to grow God wants me to grow in him 
God wants me to grow from my current situation, from my current circumstance. Even if it's good, he still wants me to grow. If it's bad, he certainly wants me to grow. He wants me to grow from my current lifestyle. He wants me to grow from my current perspective. He wants me to grow in my faith. He wants to take me on a faith journey. And then he wants me to take somebody else on theirs. Because I receive healing when I confess my, I receive forgiveness when I confess my sin to him. But I receive healing when I confess my sin to others. Or when I become someone who others can trust to confess their sin to. When I don't just become part of a small group, but I become willing to lead one. Even if it's just one or two people meeting in my house. Even if it's just one or two people. We got 20 men meeting in the coffee shop at 6.15 on Thursday. Praise God, you weren't there last year when I showed up by myself. Man, y'all got 500 people coming to Eunice. You weren't here when we had 120 and I didn't have another staff pastor at that time. Don't tell me what you're proud of until you remember what I've been through. Don't tell me you want my position until you've walked where we've been. Don't say that you want the payoff when you're not willing to walk through the process and stand on the promise. Don't say you need to be slain in the Holy Spirit if you're not willing to go out of that door and stand in society. Don't say that you have been given your physical healing in this altar if you're not going to take the same hands that God healed and lay them on somebody else and let them receive their healing too. Don't confess Him as Lord alone, but confess Him as Lord to everyone that He puts in your path because Jesus wants us to grow. And listen, when you grow, we'll grow. When I grow, you'll grow. And I receive the response, when I grow, she'll grow. When we grow, they'll grow. And there's too much on the line for me to stop eating and for me to stop growing. There's too much on the line for me to be satisfied. Let me tell you this story and we'll close them out. Wednesday night, I'd just been to church. I think I may have preached. I wasn't wasn't in ministry yet. I wasn't on staff anywhere at the time. I didn't have a master's in Christian leadership. I didn't even have credentials with the Assemblies of God. I went home from Wednesday night service in Shreveport, got to Halton, the house that my stepdaddy had built me and my bride. And I got a phone call. I went outside and I got in my BMW 330 because I was a rotten brat, 20 years old. Was <laughs> a stepdaddy that took me in and treated me like his own my entire life. And I didn't deserve it. And I didn't honor him at times either. But he loved me anyways. And I said in that car that my stepdad and his brother had paid for me to have. And I was about to have to go to Longview, Texas because I just received a phone call that my father had 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 a massive heart attack. His girlfriend called me. He'd been divorced three times and he was with his girlfriend in Longview and he had a massive heart attack and her daughter had given him CPR for 60 minutes in the floor before the ambulance got there and the ambulance had him for another time and then he took him to the hospital and he was still out by the time that I drove from Halton, Louisiana to Longview, Texas, which was about an hour and a half. So I pulled out in that driveway at the end of a cul-de-sac and I looked down the road and I said, God, uh, you and I both know 
could all of our officers please hold your ears for just a second? Uh, you and I both know that there's some laws of this land that are about to be ignored. Because i got to get to my daddy. So if you could protect me, I'd really appreciate it. But right now, I don't know what's going on with my dad. I didn't know what condition he was in. And I didn't know what God was going to do. I knew what I was going to pray. But I made this statement. I said, God, no matter what happens tonight, this week, I will still love you and I will still serve you. No matter what happens. And I put that car in drive and I made it to Longview in 40 minutes. Please don't repeat that. I pulled into the hospital, the doctor came in and shortened a long story. I was able to pray over my dad. My God restored a heartbeat that had not been for over an hour and my dad was brain dead and, uh, and passed away nine days later. And I thank God for the nine days. And I prayed in the spirit and I anointed him with oil and I don't think that God took my dad when we turned the machine off because I didn't have enough faith and I think that's stupid and anybody that tells you that needs to come. Just send them to talk to me and I whip them with my staff as well. So I just... My dad, uh, my dad had a 15-year-old son and an 18-year-old son and then me. My, my youngest brother was, he was, he was heart and he was, I was 24 and married. I was moving anyways. My 15-year-old brother was, was, it was tough. The next summer, my little brother came to a youth camp with me that my dad would have never let him come to. He came again the next summer. He came again the next summer. And for every year that I was in ministry, my little brother came to youth camp with us. And God saved him and called him to ministry and healed him and filled him with his spirit. He did that all in the first night, the first year. I was like, bro, I don't know what else camp is going to be for me, for you. You just got all four nights in one. I guess, I guess just ride the wave for the rest of the week, bro. On the way home, one year, my little brother Marshall said, I understand something I've never understood before that, that none of this matters. Like God is really the only thing that matters. Jesus is the only thing that matters. You got to understand for a 16 year old kid without a daddy, that's a big statement. It's a big statement. Can I tell you today, I stood on a promise. We were willing to walk through the process. And today my little brother is on staff at a church underneath the pastor that performed my wedding. And I went just a two years ago, I think, and I performed his wedding to his new bride at, uh, at, at my former pastor's church. And, and the whole thing came full circle back around. My brother is in ministry today. My brother is living for Jesus today. And because I believe, because we made a statement, God, no matter what happens, I will still love you and I will still serve you. I will believe in your word no matter how I feel. I will stake my life life on the sake that this thing is true and if it's wrong and if I'm wrong then so be it but man 
because it's not wrong, because it is the right thing, because it is the moral compass, because it is the thing that I can put my faith in, even when it doesn't work out the way that I want it to. I don't just have a promise that I hope for. I get to walk through a process and I'm going to come out on the other side and see the payoff, whether in this life or in the next. There will be a reward and there will be a time when I know in full what God's purpose was. So right now, Father, I pray in Jesus' name, everybody in the house, those who are living for you and following you, and Father, those who are not following you, that are not in right relationship with you, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would have your way in just a few minutes. If you're in the house right now, whether online or if you're within the sound of my voice, if you're watching this later, Certainly if you're sitting in this sanctuary right now, before we stir, before we do anything else, listen, if something's happened in your life that you're still hanging on to, maybe you're going through something currently and it's caused you discouragement, it's distracted you, it maybe even caused you to doubt. Today we want to pray over you. We want to pray with you right where you are. We want to agree together with you just like we did for Gracie's family. So if that's you, I just want you to lift your hand, confess your sins one to another. Just lift your hand, confess to yourself. Say, hey, that's me. The only people that are looking are the people that are cheating because they didn't bow their head and close their eyes. This is between you and Jesus and us to know that we can pray over you. I see you, I see you, I see you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Just honestly, man, I I just don't want to be discouraged. I don't want to be distracted. Come on, I just want you right where you are. Just open up your hands where you sit. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that your healing would come like rain. Father, right now, without me laying my hands on every single person, but certainly with them being willing to go through the process and deal with the pain. God, right now, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would take what the enemy meant for evil and you would flip it around on his head and bury him with it. In Jesus' name, I pray that you would begin to work out for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. And God, this morning, I claim your purpose for their lives. Father, I claim every problem that they've ever been through would position them for the purpose that you want to take them to. I claim every moment, every tear that was shed would be part of the process of purifying them before you. That they would learn how to worship you in a new way. That they would learn how to serve you in a new way. I thank you, Lord, that our pain is not in in void. It's not in vain. But our pain can position us for the platform. The things that we have gone through can position us for things that you desire for us to speak to. And so today, God, I thank you that you are turning the tide and turning the table, that you are flipping our perspective to help us see as you see, sense as you sense, and have faith in you and you alone. God, today we say, I trust you. I trust you despite what I'm going through, despite what I've been through. I trust you. I will love you and I will serve you. I will go through the process process stand on the promise and I will see the payoff in Jesus name in Jesus name before you get your stuff most important part of our service if you're in this room right now and you don't know Jesus you did not come in here today in right relationship with him and yet you want to be the one whose sins are forgiven whose path is realigned 
Today, you want to receive salvation or you want to recommit your life to him. The Bible says you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you shall be saved. So if I'm talking to you, I just want you to lift your hand right where you are. We're just going to pray with you out loud. We're going to pray with you. I see you. Thank you. I see you. Anybody else? Don't leave this place out of relationship with Jesus. I want to follow him today. Come on, church, for just just a few. Thank you, Lord, for the few. We want to join together our faith with theirs, whether you lifted your hand or whether you didn't. Pray this prayer out loud with all of your heart. Jesus, forgive me where I fall short. Those things distract me. They cause doubt in my life. I confess you as Lord. I believe that you gave your life for me. I believe you died on the cross. You were raised from the dead. And I can be too. Forgive me and help me to follow you with all of my heart from this day to the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, can we give him praise today?